0: This is the Vidya Group Podcast. Welcome to the Vidya Group Podcast. This is Acharya, your host. And today we're going to be talking about the Vidya of New India. I think the real question India faces is, can the new India become the old India, the pre-invasion India? Can Indians, can specifically Hindus, can they roll back the clock? And this is the argument against the right, against the Hindu nationalists, is that they want to bring back the medieval ages, or the Renaissance, before Islam came and invaded in the Dark Ages, and Britain invaded in the Renaissance period, in the 1600s. Can new India become old India? I think that's the challenge. I think that's the challenge that a very young India with 65% of voters under the age of 35, the mandate given by them to the BJP is essentially to be as modern as possible, to develop the country and be prosperous, utilizing all the latest technology at the same time in terms of traditional values to bring India back on track with Hindutva, with the Hindu ideology, Hindu sociology, economics and governance. Can we see a modern-day India based on spiritual values, based on Sanatana Dharma, self-realization, yoga. Can we see a modern-day India based on the traditional roles, occupational roles of the Varnashram Dharma system? the system of four occupations, four varnas, and four ashrams, which are stages of life based on a person's age, beginning with student life, then going to family life, retired and renounced life. Can we see a modern-day India based on organic agriculture, cow protection, which means plowing with bulls instead of using tractors. That's Krishi Krishi Goraksha. So these are the traditional duties, Hindu duties given in scripture prescribed by the Lord, is to plow with the bulls and to protect the cows. <laughs> Can we see a modern-day India based on Kshatriya government? Can we see a return of the principles of the Raja government? Rule by Rajas. The Rajas surrendered to the British government in the 20th century? Can we see a return of benevolent kings ruling over India, not by democracy, but by divine mandate, by the principles of Dharma? India has been captivated by television. Beginning with Mahabharata, which is all about Dharma. The penetration of televisions in India began in earnestness due to the televised serials of the Mahabharata. So, can India have its cake, its democratic cake? And can it have its dharma in the form of Varnashram dharma and sanatan dharma? Can it revive dharma and still hold on to democracy? Or are these two approaches to life mutually exclusive. This is the question for New India, for aspirational India, and for young India. When we look back in history, we have to question why in the present time, why in the future, why should India follow a Western, non-Hindu form of government? And we're talking about democracy, constitutional democracy. India gaining independence politically, but what about independence educationally? What about the traditional Gurukul system of education? Why shouldn't India go back to its traditional educational system of the Gurukul system, which provides leadership training and character development based on spiritual values and Dharma and Vidya? So these are the questions, these are the challenges for the BJP. How far back can we go? Can we go back home? Can we turn back the clock? Can we regenerate? Can we revive the Hindu culture, the Hindu revival? This is all about the Hindu revival. How far can we go? in reviving Hinduism on the Vedic principles that India has been governed by for thousands if not millions of years. How far does this mandate extend for cow protection? Are we talking about cow protection for the whole country? are we talking about cow protection for UP how far can the bjp extend cow protection throughout all 29 states so when we when we consider these proposals these propositions we should do so on a solid platform we should understand the principles of the Vedic state. How the Vedic state operates and what's the essential nature of the Vedic state. The first thing we have to deal with is the fact that the Vedic state was not inclusive of every type of homo sapien. We can put it that way. So in... in in Vedic culture, ideology, and philosophy, there is a spectrum of consciousness that is described in scripture, which explains to begin with that there's 8,400,000 species of life. And you have, on the left side of the spectrum, you have aquatics, insects, plants, animals, which comprises 8 million species. And then you have, on the right side, you have 400,000 human species. So not all these human species are considered civilized. So you have the subhuman species, which are on the left And then on the right, you have the civilized human species. So Vedic culture, the Vedic state, the governance model, was based on making an arrangement for Civilized human society, called the Aryans, which means the advanced human species. And the basic qualifier for being, being the, the basic qualifier for being considered an Aryan was following the Varnashram Dharma system and the Sanatan Dharma system. So these basically translate to prescribed duties given by God on how to work your livelihood, how to perform your occupational duties and earn your livelihood, and how to live in a spiritual-based lifestyle. That's the ashrams. So the varnas are the occupational duties And the ashrams are the lifestyle duties based on your age. So if you're up to age 25 would be student life, 25 to 50 would be family life, and then 50 to 75 retired life, and 75 plus renounced life. (laughs) So, this is what it means to be in the Vedic state, is to be a follower of these duties. Otherwise, you were categorized in some other status, which would be below civilized human society, or you can say subhuman status, also called outcast. So, you had the the castes, the four Varnas, the four castes Brahman, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Sudra, and then you had the outcasts, right? Those who didn't follow any Varna. They didn't follow any occupational duty and they didn't follow any spiritual duties. So, that's what it means to be a Hindu. It means to follow those duties to follow that social, social system, the varnashram social system. And my question is, how many Hindus today follow a Varna and an Ashram? Because if you don't follow a Varna and an Ashram, you're actually not counted as an Aryan or a Hindu you would be counted as a Yavana at best those who do not follow the Varnashram Dharma system are counted according to scripture as Yavanas which is the dominant global culture right now when you say globalism globalization we're talking about the most part Yavana culture. So for example in Hindu culture in the Aryan culture in the Varnashram in the Vedic state a person who was in the Sudra occupation, they would be allowed to eat meat once a month and to take wine once a month. That's it. That's the regulation. So those who would take meat and intoxication like wine more than once a month, and, and not only once a month, but it has to be done as a sacrifice, as a yajna, an offering to Durga, right? Durga puja includes, can include meat and wine for those who want to offer that. And that's primarily the sudras are allowed to do. They're given that facility. So those who take meat and intoxication that is not a product of yajna, and more than once a month, they're outside of the Vedic state. They're, out, they're, they're outside the system of our Nashram dharma. They're called yavanas. So, you know, just going to McDonald's or Pizza Hut and ordering a chicken burger or, a, you know, a pepperoni pizza that's going to put you in another category okay that puts you in a non-vedic non-hindu status so how many hindus today are following true hinduism so that's the challenge and it's a good thing if That's really what the people are desiring. If they're desiring to truly be Hindus and to bring back true Hinduism, Vedic culture, then it's entirely possible to roll back the clock. But that's what it means. It doesn't mean that you know, we're going to rubber stamp that India is a Hindu nation and then everybody's eating chicken burgers. It's not Hinduism. That's not the Hindu state. That's not the Vedic state. So, the, the first problem you face is this Cultural issue, and then you also face the principle of segregation. In the Vedic state, when you say outcast, that means not allowed to live in the villages and the cities of the Vedic state. So, free mixing of Aryans and non Aryans was pretty much not happening. That just wasn't happening. The non Aryans would be moved out of the area of the villages and pretty much they were living in the jungles. Like you have the Adivasis in Jharkhand or in the Northeast, you have different tribals like that. So they weren't living together. They weren't the Aryans and the tribals were not, or the outcasts, or whatever you want to call them, they were not living together. So, is that what people want? Do they want segregation? And a lot of people do. I've, I've met them and, you know, they would like to see a homogeneous Hindu population, community, So we're talking about some type of partition or separation or you know, segregation and that means displacing people, moving people from one area to another and would that, how would that happen? Would that be voluntary? Would it be by force? These are, these are the questions, and I think they're legitimate questions. I think they're legitimate aspirations. But if we're going to go through this process and down this path, then the important thing is to make sure that it's being done on principle so that it has some value. Otherwise, it's an unnecessary agitation. If, if people are going to continue to live like Yavana's, then why would they want to be separated from Yavana's? Right? If you're going to act and live like a Yavana, So, what's the problem in living with other Yavana's? Yavana means non-Hindus. So, if you're going to live like a non-Hindu, you're going to go to McDonald's and eat meat and do all these things whenever you want, and drink whiskey and all these things whenever you want, then there's no need for you to segregate yourself from other Yavana's because you've become a Yavana, essentially. So this is kind of a soul-searching process where the Hindus need to understand what it means to be a Hindu. And if they're really desirous of returning back to the Vedic state, the Hindu Vedic state, then that's a good thing. That's a good thing for for creating and regenerating and reviving a genuine Vedic state. And that has spiritual value, that has benefit. But if it's just going to be a political tussle and fight between different Yavanas, then it's an unnecessary social disturbance. So, I think Hindus need to reflect on what Dharma means and what Dharma requires of them in order to call themselves true Hindus. And from that perspective, we can go forward. We can look at how to regenerate the Vedic state. Whatever you want to call it. Ramraj, Kshatriya government, what have you. So Kshatriya government means Qualified Kshatriyas, qualified Brahmins, qualified Vaishyas, who are there to protect Aryans and their cows and their temples and like that. So Kshatriya government doesn't mean to rule over Yavanas. Kshatriyas will not do that on principle. They're not there for facilitating the Yavana state, Yavana culture, Yavana principles. They're going to regulate the society according to the Aryan principles, according to Varnashram Dharma duties and Sanatana Dharma principles, philosophy. So these are the things we need to look at, we need to debate, discuss, understand, and come to a consensus and then move forward appropriately. Thank you for joining the Vidya Group Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please like, share and subscribe. You can also subscribe to our Vidya Group blog at vidyagroup.ml where you will find our podcast, Twitter and YouTube subscription links. This is the Vidya Group Podcast.